listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft tapes. Stephen Crumpet sits on the sofa in his condo. The cracked and worn leatherette surface smooth and comfortable beneath his bare buttocks. In one hand, he holds a highball tumbler filled three quarters with tequila. In the other, he grasps the television remote, randomly flicking between the myriad channels, sound muted, not really seeing the images. Where his pants might have gone, he has no idea. The ruckus down at the docks must have distracted him after taunting the cultist pursuers, so presumably his trousers were left near the overturned fruit cart, forgotten? Or had he lost them in the frantic melee that followed? No matter, he had other pantaloons in the closet. Perhaps when night came and the temperature dropped, he'd change his wardrobe and head out for a bite. Right now, he was content to just chill for a while. His groin could do with a bit of airing out now and again. Sophie flopped unceremoniously in her too small tank, the opaque water sloshing noisily. She was probably hungry. Eventually, he'd get up to feed her, but not just yet. He was tired, had never been so exhausted. It was almost too much to lift his hand, take a sip of the fiery alcohol, feel it slip like molten lava down his throat to his gut. Tomorrow, he might pay for his excess, but that was future Stephen's problem, right? Right. From out of the window, there came the sound of sirens and shouting. Though the immediate danger was over, some folks on the island were just becoming aware of the destruction and aftermath. The dead and dying were being discovered anew. And from above, the forest fires ignited by the carpet bombs were spreading down the mountainside. All hands on deck. Emergency crews pushed to their limits. Even the able assistance of the International Coalition of Servicemen and Women might not be enough to staunch the flow of destruction. Time would tell. Stephen took another sip, thinking of his newfound friends, Jack and Carl Jr. Fine chaps, those. He'd seen neither hide nor hair of either since their separation at the docks. One of their pursuers had lobbed a brick from above, catching him squarely on the forehead as he performed his well-rehearsed helicopter routine, plunging him into unconsciousness. When he'd come to, well, the worst was over, and all about him were the bleeding carcasses, some islanders, some invaders. Eventually, he picked his way through the mayhem and retreated back home, but not without taking a trophy first. Sighing, he lifted his feet onto the coffee table, careful not to disturb the decapitated head propped atop the glass surface. He stared at the slack features, took another gulp of fire water, then waved his hand at the face, fingers wriggling in intricate patterns as if drawing power from the air. After a few moments, the nostrils flared. The mouth began working as if it were chewing on a piece of gristle. The tanned brow creased with wrinkles as if in concentration or extreme effort. Then, gradually, the eyelids lifted to reveal a bright, curious stare. Welcome back, old friend. Stephen raised his glass in a celebratory toast. We have much to discuss, methinks. Without lungs to provide air, 
it would take some time before the severed head could properly form intelligible words, but for now, Keijo managed to communicate his satisfaction at being resurrected with a wide, warm smile. The Lovecraft Tapes Podcast is copyright 2019. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes Podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes.